Do you know what, um, who the dinosaur's least favorite reindeer was? Comet. Today's guest is Beth Rabbit. She's the CEO of the Learning Accelerator. Welcome, Beth. Hello. Thanks for having me. Hello. Welcome back. It's so good to see you again. What is new for you? What what new work is going on for you? Um, tell our listeners what's going on. Things have been great. So, um, as you know, the Learning Accelerator is a national nonprofit. Mm-hmm. We work get to work across the country, learning alongside educators to really understand emerging strategies and blend in personalized learning. We're really trying to figure out how to make the potential of an engaging, equitable, and effective education for every kid actually practical and possible for Mm -hmm. every teacher and learner. And so a lot of things that are top of mind for us right now is kind of trying to make sense of all the ways in which the field is learning and all of the different patterns we're starting to see at the national level as more and more of these practices get taken to scale and get put into new districts and contexts and classrooms. So what are some of the things you're seeing or thinking about? Yeah, so um, I'm actually here at the conference to get to share a little about that. Um, Today in my talk, I'll be talking about four big patterns or questions we're really thinking about at TLA. As we imagine kind of the incredible hard work that teachers are doing, one of the things we think a lot about are what are the conditions that sit around teachers Mm -hmm. that we actually have to change Mm -hmm. to make sure that a, they're not exhausted by constantly having to, like, what we call drive with the brakes on, or B, can actually replicate their work every day. And so um, four big questions that I'm thinking a lot about right now are, like, one, how do we move away from models where we're expecting individual teachers to be superheroes in personalized learning classrooms? Mm. Um, there's sort of this dominant, what one scholar calls, like, egg crate model of teacher work in this country, which is like we have a teacher working in their own classroom with the door closed with a group of students. And when we think about what it's really going to take to be able to flexibly change instruction for every single learner, we've actually got to break that. Mm -hmm. And we've got to focus a lot more on teachers collaborating with each other, on working with multiple groups of students, and also on bringing more adults into the classroom. So rather than having pull-out strategy of students leaving the classroom to go work, say, with a specialist or to go get support and counseling, we're actually really seeing a lot more schools where people are pushing in to work as teams. I think that's super powerful. A second thing we're thinking a lot about is, I think it's often um, easy to confuse personalization with individualization. And certainly, like part of the goal of personalization is to individualize for the unique needs and strengths and assets that kids are bringing to the classroom. But just because we have to individualize a little to make personalization happen doesn't mean the only goal is individualization. I've actually been um, looking at personalized medicine and trying to understand lessons that are being learned in the healthcare field. And not a lot of people realize that actually um, the Obama administration actually launched a personalized medicine initiative mm-hmm. about 10 years ago, where the goal was really to say, like, how do we provide better individualized treatments for people using data about their health, their lifestyle, their history, their genetics. Mm. Um, a lot of times in medicine, we go to like a first-line treatment when, in fact, that first line might not work for everyone. Right. So there's been a big portion of the community pushing kind of a move towards more individual approaches. Mm. But what they're learning in medicine is actually like 
when we push so far to the individual, we in fact kind of forget about what they call the population-based approaches that are good for everyone. Right. So things like vaccination, supporting people to get healthy food and exercise, mm. dental care. These are things that are good for everyone. And I th actually think personalized classrooms are similar, right? right? We have to think about what are the things we have to change to meet the individual needs, but also what are the things that are common in learners? What are the ways that most students are learning most of the time? And how do we put as much emphasis on that and on the really social nature of instruction and inquiry in the classroom? Yes. Yeah. A third thing we're thinking about is around technology. I don't know if anyone has been following. There are some, um, there's significant interest in the role of technology in the classroom right now, the role of screen time at home, what it means for learners. And I think we're sort of caught in a dynamic where we're talking about technology playing one of two roles. Mm -hmm. In some visions for personalization, technology is the driver. Right. So kids are entering classrooms, they're getting on tech, um, computers that are giving them a pathway that is perfect for them, they're getting just-in-time instruction. A teacher and other students are playing a role, but the, the driver, driver is really like the technology was architecting the experience. And for good reason, there's a lot of pushback against right. that. On the other extreme, though, are classrooms where we keep referring to technology as just a tool. You could mm -hmm. see my air quotes around that, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> um, and in that case, though, I think it can be equally problematic because when we just label technology a tool, it's a pretty passive thing. Mm -hmm. We don't have a lot of expectation for technology to have any mutual accountability for producing the things we're trying to produce in classrooms. And oftentimes failures are entirely placed at the hands of the student and the teacher rather than the technology itself. So um, essentially what becomes a failure of learning is actually a, usually in a technologist's mind like a failure of implementation to not right. use the tool correctly, which is kind of baloney as well. So one of the things we're thinking a lot about is how do we actually shift the perspective to how do we partner with technology and technologists and create collaboration and mutual accountability mm -hmm. around shared goals for learning where we're requiring more of the people who are actually building and supplying us with our technology, but where there's a lot more dynamic relationship, which I think could be like a really interesting thing to think about as we move away from big data models and tech giants right. to really figure out like what are the tools that can help us most in the classroom and how do the people behind those tools have a responsibility to partner with us to work in our context with our kids. Yeah. And then the fourth thing um, that I'm thinking a lot, and this gets back to some of the conditions um, conversation that I was referring to earlier where we're facing a lot of um, we're paying a lot of attention is really thinking about systems how are the systems changing around our teachers and our learners as we're asking them mm -hmm. to do hard work in their classrooms so we um, did a big study last year where we took all the different frameworks for personalized learning and change management and innovation and looked at them side by side and said what's common here there's not one pathway for implementing personalized learning with any district. It depends a lot on your context and your goals. But what we did see is that there are a lot of common components right. that everybody refers to again and again. And so um, Nithi Thomas, who's been on this podcast, actually helped us create what we call our implementation framework, which is a way to help district leaders think about what are all the things that sit around our model of learning that if we don't change them are going to pose barriers to mm. our success and that if we do change things can actually really help us a lot more so we talk about kind of essential support structures that live around like pd and instructional materials and student supports we think about what we call systems and structures which are the super unsexy but really important pieces of a school district like finance mm -hmm. resource allocation and resources being time and space talent systems how do we shift those things too and then finally 
how do we think about all the ongoing leadership processes that need to be constantly at work, at work around those systems? Mm. So visioning, performance management, improvement. And so um, in 2020, we're actually going to be doing a study with eight districts nationally to go deep with them to just kind of chronicle their journeys in all of those condition areas and figure out like what worked, what didn't work for them to really offer people more roadmaps of what Mm -hmm. they might do locally. Holy moly, that's a lot of stuff. I know. That sounds incredible. Thank you, Now you just got the preview of my keynote. I know. That was fantastic. (laughs) That was really good. And I did it in 10 minutes, so I'm totally not going to need the hour. (laughs) Yeah, that's up. You know what? We're just going to play this and say Beth couldn't make it today, but this is what we got. I'm just going to hold the mic like this. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. It doesn't matter